What a sad turn of events in Atlanta. After tying the series at one, the Knicks were blown out in both games three and four and are now on the brink of elimination down three games to one. We'll dive into what the heck happened in the Dirty South. Look ahead to game five as the Knicks return home to MSG and debate whether they can pull off a miracle and win this series now after being down three games to one. We'll vent our frustrations and try to bring some positivity with friends of the program, SNY and Knicks fans TV, Ashley Nicole Moss. So take some deep breaths, and I'm talking to myself here really in this instance. Come to Knicks Therapy. That's next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Big Apple Buckets is back after an extremely frustrating Game 4. It's our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, chime in as well. Follow the entire crew on Twitter, at Sal underscore Licata, at Junkyard Dog JW, and at Jake Brown Radio. You could also go into Apple Podcasts now and please give us a five-star rating and write a nice positive review. We appreciate your support during this wild season. It's been a fun season, but it's been a wild one, and the postseason has been dreadful. Friend of the program, SNY and Sports Illustrated contributor, and Knicks fan, Ashley Nicole Moss is going to join us a little bit later on in this pod. But first, you know, JYD, Jake, this has been, I don't know about you guys, I'm not saying the season has been a disappointment because it's not. It would be foolish to say that. However, this playoffs, the reason I have an issue with it with the Knicks now dropping two in Atlanta, falling, you know, three games to one down in this first round game, Game five is going to be on Wednesday back at the Garden as the Knicks try to stay alive. Here's the issue I have. It's not just that they're losing. It's that the Knicks aren't doing anything that they did in the regular season through these first four games of the playoffs. They were fortunate to win game two with Atlanta missing shots, but Randall hasn't been the same. Barrett hasn't been as really to a man outside of Derrick Rose and Obi Toppin's given some good minutes. We can get into that a little bit later on, but as a team, no defense, their leader in Randall, they're doing things they didn't do getting blown out. I mean, when the Knicks didn't get blown out in the regular season it seemed at all and all that is happening now in these four games of the postseason it is infuriating jyd playoffs 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 the game changes in the playoffs it's hard to describe that for especially young players to see the difference in shot selections to see the difference in momentum shifts a 5-0 run is almost like a 15-0 run in the regular season because in the playoffs is that much the game is that much more scrutinized there's more attention to detail and first half it was a it was more of a, a grudge match right the game was close it was back and forth back and forth now this type of atmosphere typically tends to swing more towards the home team right and they end up you know up a few points three four or five points at, at halftime now second half is when you got the, the away team has to establish no we're here it's going to be a grinder for the remainder of the game. When Atlanta was able to push it in the third quarter to a 15-point lead, well, that's going to be hard to erase in the fourth quarter in a way, jam, a hostile environment. And it seems that the Knicks, as you point out, aren't able to get the continuity of their offense, aren't able to get the same shots that they got in the regular season. Why? Because that playoff basketball is that different level that now, especially when other teams are dialed in and they have so many offensive weapons that Atlanta has, that ball movement wears down a team. Because when you can hit 
one, two, three, four passes on rotation and get that one last open shot where it's just a pump fake and now this guy's wide open. It just seemed like the Atlanta Hawks were getting too many of those. You know, and in game four, I actually thought the the Knicks played their best half or at least one of their best halves so far through four games and was feeling good about it because even though Randall's shot wasn't falling, he looked decisive finally. He looked confident. I didn't have a problem with him missing the shot. Just keep taking him and being decisive, making you know, quality decisions as opposed to in the first three games where he didn't know what he was doing. But the Knicks have played exactly two solid halves through four games and it's just not enough. The second half of game two, which uh, was enough to get them to win and then the first half of game four which made me think that okay the Knicks are, are not they're not going anywhere here they're going to battle in this game and maybe come away with the win and tie the series but it comes down to them not just they can't make shots not only Randall Reggie Bullock couldn't hit one Alec Burks is the master of the bad shot I mean there's not a shot he doesn't like he thinks he's Steph Curry out there I mean you name it they are they RJ Barrett I don't care what the numbers say at the end of that game RJ Barrett in the beginning was the same as he's been all series long useless I mean he's I'm making any jumpers. So that is a problem. If Barrett's not hitting, if Bullock's not hitting, if Randall's not hitting, where is the team game? If Burks isn't hitting, where are they getting points? Emmanuel quickly has given you nothing so far. So that's the problem. We could talk about the Hawks and their ability to hit the three. And I think in game three is where the Hawks played a near perfect game. That was not the case in game four. This game was there for the taking. If the Knicks could actually hit a shot, you know, what is Reggie Bullock's problem? And then even throughout the course of the game, it's not just the shots, the open look whether it's a two or three they come down on two on ones and Reggie Bullock is turning the ball over and that is what they're thinking way too much they're putting way too much pressure on themselves I'll tell you JYD the Knicks they have gotten outclassed in every single facet of the game in four games here in the playoffs and that's a problem and I'm talking about coaching I'm talking about playing you name it they have gotten the the fans the Atlanta crowd did an incredible job that was a hostile environment and they did it in a classy manner at least to my knowledge that is the Knicks have gotten they've gotten destroyed here and it's one thing to lose in the postseason I would have been fine with the Knicks losing this series if it eventually does happen but it's about how and they're not doing what they have done all year so we don't know what the Knicks best versus Atlanta's best is because we haven't seen the Knicks best and I think that's what bothers me more so than just the losses to a good Atlanta Hawks team a team who's improved the Hawks we get it and they play great defense with Nate McMillan and they have shooters everywhere I get it but but the fact that the Knicks haven't played their A game to match the Hawks that is what bothers me about this series this is the portion of the show where I give free therapy session we take deep breaths <laughs> I need it Jake from, uh, please do Sal's on man Sal you know Jake give him some give him some medicine you know your wife was just pregnant you know how it works in and out (laughs) yeah right right. (sighs) I was having heart palpitations during that game there's a couple different angles first off Reggie Bullock was terrible you cannot put up a zero piece you cannot score zero points in the playoffs Bullock Nerlens Noel and IQ combined for one total point. You can't get one point out of three players that Bullock, you expect 10 to 15. IQ, you expect the same. Nerlens, you expect at least six to eight. A couple follow-ups, a dunk here and there, an alley-oop. They got one out of those three, so that was terrible. I agree with you with Barrett. He looked the same. I know he scored 21, but some of that was compiling. Same with Julius Randle. I thought he was definitely better in the first half. Like you said, he was aggressive. He was solid, but over the court, he's got to drop a 30-piece. He's got to do something and dominate a game, and he hasn't done that but we take a deep breath and kind of look back here and say you know what game one was a killer you defend your home court and you know if if Frank Nilakina's cold legs aren't in there goes to over 
overtime, the Knicks win. We're talking 2-2 back to the Garden. So game one was the huge swing in this series. Atlanta did what they had to do, defend their home court. The Knicks did not. Now, as we look ahead, Sal, they have a game at home. Maybe the Garden brings some energy back for game five. This is a team that has fought all year long to tooth and nail to the end to get to where they are at this point. We never thought they were going to be here. We could look at the silver lining and say if they lose game five, game six, no one expected them to be here. Great season. We could look at that. Listen, we'll save that for the next show because we expect that to happen. But three games, three wins. It's not over yet. I think this team has two out of three at home. You win game five, maybe you steal one in Atlanta game six, and then we know what game seven is. It's called a coin toss. It's it's a coin toss. The Garden, I mean, my I'll have no hearing left. I'll be Helen Keller if there's a game seven because that would be a raucous atmosphere. So I don't want to write the Knicks off yet. I believe in Tibbs, and I think it'll take a few changes, Sal and JYD, in Game 5. You, you can't keep rolling guys out like dead bodies. You just cannot do that. And I think one of those things involves playing Obi Toppin more. Maybe you start him. Nerlens Noel's clearly hurt. Obi Toppin gave you good minutes. He was energetic. He was finishing besides that three-pointer where he had the air ball. He was showing good minutes. I'd like to see some lineup changes, and maybe the garden sparks Reggie Bullock to score because you just can't get zero. You need three or four of those big threes. And like JYD said, that third quarter, 15-5 run to start the third quarter for Atlanta. The Knicks were now 15, and the game was pretty much over at that point. So it's a game of run, guys. The Knicks did it. And when they won their game at the Garden, they went on a huge run in the second half. Atlanta did the same. A couple of runs here and there, and don't write the Knicks off just yet. Take some deep breaths, Sal. You might need some alcohol during game five to uh, keep it going because none of us have any hair left to pull out. I, I do I do think that they have a chance in this series. You know, all that being said, I'm just reacting to what I've seen so far through four games, and it is hard to say that you're going to see something other than what we've seen because it's now been four straight. You know, I thought, okay, after game one, one, the jitters, fine. They'll be back in game two. And then when you saw the same thing in game two, even though they won, I was thinking, all right, fine. You get the games out of the garden. The jitters are, uh, you know, away and they actually split. They won a game. Now go down to Atlanta, relax and play your game. And they were worse. So they still haven't played their game. There's a part of me that believes that it's still in there, especially coming back home into the garden. And, and I do think if you're, if there's ever a way to win after getting down in a series three games to one, it would be in this case where the Knicks have not played their full game yet. And they still do have two of those final three, assuming that they could play, you know, get to game seven. They, two of the, the three are at home. So really, I mean, if you protect home court, you just have to steal one there. It's not an impossibility. And it's not like the Knicks are by far the worst team. Now they are playing like that. We haven't seen them play their a game just yet but if they do all of a sudden that could change things it's just been very disappointing starts with julius randall to me and then goes on down it the, the hawks make it look easy jyd tell me what you think i think the chemistry when you take and you switch up that lineup right derrick rose putting them in the starting lineup taking alfred payton out of the starting lineup kind of changed the dynamics defensively definitely it's shown itself now you're also giving up offense because you're saying hey he wasn't really giving us much in the first, but the games were a little closer and you have more firepower coming off the bench. And then what does that also do? Quickly now has more of a, you know, a feel of, hey, I'm coming in the game with Derrick Rose. Now there's less pressure because you have a fresh Derrick Rose instead of, hey, now I've been in the game starting Derrick Rose where I have to defer and take a break. 
right? And now there's more pressure on those guys to get it done. So from the guard perspective, I think that's what you're probably seeing with a Reggie Bullock because, you know, when you have Julius Randle in the game with Derrick Rose, same time, there's no, you know, usually Julius Randle is the one that's asserting the offense and finding guys and creating. Then you bring in Derrick. Now Julius gets a break and he has other firepower, Alec Burke alongside of Quigley. And now you got more continuity to, to make an extra pass, get an extra shot, a momentum shift. Whereas Alfred Payton was giving us more just defensively, everybody locked in and trying to contain, you know, that offensive power threat. That offense gets going in Atlanta. It's hard to stop when guys get warmed up and you had, you know, Gallinari. Gallinari didn't give him much in game. game one and two. Yeah, game yeah. one and two, Gallinari was terrible. And then That's Atlanta right. he started to hit some shots finally. And you knew that was going to happen because they were leaving him wide open. But then he finally started to show up, which is infuriating. He finally started to show up in Atlanta. I think you bring up a great point, JYD. Everybody talked about it. And that's why I would have left it alone. I'm on record as saying just leave it alone. If you're going to sit Peyton, I'm fine with that. Then you have to start uh, Frank Nielakina. I would not have touched D Rose or quickly because you're right now with the they do by starting Derrick Rose. They bring him to start the game, obviously. So you're losing some of those minutes end of second quarter. You saw that in game three. Thibodeau said that that was a problem. Or just the bench, lack of scoring from the bench. But you're also elevating Emmanuel quickly, and he's not ready for it. I mean, we can say that we love him as much as the Knicks fans love Emmanuel quickly, and you want to see him in more of a role. In game one, he was one guy who it seemed to thrive off of that energy of the garden, and he's really done nothing since. And that's been a problem. When you elevate Derrick Rose to the starting point guard, you're telling Emmanuel quickly, hey, we're going to need you to be a main part of scoring in our second unit coming off the bench. He just hasn't done it. So that's a problem as well. And we know the Knicks are thin there. I mean, they're being exposed here in this series, but I still think that they're much better than what we've seen, whether it's quickly, whether it's Julius Randle, whether it's RJ Barrett. I mean, we haven't said Bullock. These guys, they're playing way below even their just average. We don't, we're not even talking peak performance from these guys. They're playing way below their average. And that's why the Knicks are down three games to one. And if Frank is good enough, Sal, to play that one monster possession against Trey Young and cover him, why not see more of him? Why not? If he, if he could play the biggest possession of the series so far, why isn't he getting more minutes? So maybe that's something ahead that changes in game five, because like you said, a lot of pressure on, on Emmanuel quickly, a rookie who hasn't been here. You know, he, he's been taking those deep threes that he's been making a lot of the season and they're not falling, but let's see a little bit more Frank. Listen, if, if he could play that possession, why can't he get 10 to 15 minutes against Trey Young? Because nothing that they've thrown at him has stopped him. I know I think he was nine for 21. The last game still put up 27 like it was nothing. Had a lot of open threes. Maybe Frank, and can we get some full court pressure what happened to the old days i sound like sound like you sal the 90s but like these guys are dribbling up the floor frank can at least put some backcourt pressure on trey maybe get one or two steals that leads to a bucket and not a reggie bullock turnover travel on a two-on-one god that was frustrating get some full court press and make this guy make a pass he doesn't want to make a dribble he doesn't want to make put the pressure on atlanta to get this thing back to atlanta for game six you know it's funny too the turnovers have been a major problem we can talk about the lack of shooting or scoring from the knicks the turnover has been a problem as well you can't be having empty possessions when you're not that talented you cannot be giving away two-on-ones or whatever it may be you can't be turning the ball over they've just been sloppy every which way the hawks make it look so easy to come down knock down three the Knicks have to work extremely hard. They get a good look. Finally, they miss the shot or they come down and they turn over infuriating. I want to ask though JYD this about the coaching aspect of it, because I think Jake brings up an interesting point about Neil Akina where, I mean, you know, he's, they value him enough to go on that final possession of game one. And then you don't basically see him since until garbage time, which I think could be an issue. But JYD coaching wise,
guys, what is the the mentality here with Thibodeau when he's watching his team get abused through four games? It just continues to happen. Something's got to be done differently here. I mean, is it the defensive strategy? Is it the individuals not getting up on their man on the perimeter? Why would that not be something that would be changed here through four games so far for the Knicks where it's been the same? It seems like Trey Young, it, you, they can't stop him no matter what they do. Young is doing the same thing and then leaving a lot of Hawks shooters wide open from downtown that, that has just killed them, certainly on the road in Atlanta. Well, it's definitely been frustrating watching it, but from a coaching aspect, I know he's looking at it like, wow, what do I have that I could either stop on defense, this Atlanta team, or push it on offense? And the problem is, you know, Atlanta, they're playing decent defense. They got Capella down there. They got Collins down there. They got some rim protection. So, you know, you just can't drive into the lane and get easy shots. Not to mention on offense, these guys, again, they're a juggernaut. If you look at the turnovers, you know, we had less turnovers in Atlanta. The problem is they had 22 points off of their turnovers, off of our turnovers. And Atlanta, they only gave up six points off turnovers. So that's a huge discrepancy. I mean, that's, you know, that's a 16 point swing in just the turnover ratio. And if you look at it, that's that third quarter. That's a 15 point lead. So when I see this team, it's to your point. Do you start this person? Do you play this person? Do you play Frank more? Do you give him some more minutes? Well, the thing I'm asking myself as a coach, well, okay, am I going to give up the same amount of points on the other side with a Trey Young who hasn't looked like he's had a bad game? I mean, you know, he's hitting it from the parking lot. He's, he's drawing the defense. He draws two defenders. He gets everything scrambled. And now someone gets an open shot. And this is an Atlanta team that you give up open shots long enough and these guys are going to start knocking them down. They're not going to miss the entire game. Their law of averages are in their favor when it comes to offense. So it's going to be tough. The scheme is going to be tough at this point. They're doing a lot of good things I see out there, you know, forcing guys to their offhand, you know, closeouts. But now Atlanta's getting savvy. They're pump faking, one dribbles, pull-ups. And still getting that open look. And we have to give credit to the Hawks. Nate McMillan has outcoached Tom Thibodeau in every sense of the word this series. And I think, Sal, you mentioned a few weeks ago that you kind of throw the, the last regular season game out the window. Because when McMillan took over this team, I, I, they said their record, I forget the exact record. It was like 22-10 and 10 or something incredible since he's taken over. He has done a terrific job coaching with the rotations, keeping his team calm. And, you know, Tibbs has got to make those adjustments if the Knicks want to come back. But I'll give credit to the Hawks, not only to McMillan, but their defense, the tenacity they've they've played on defense and shown on defense. McMillan definitely deserves a lot of credit. He does, and I don't mean to be taking anything away from Atlanta because they have done a great job. Whether you talk about the shooting and the weapons that they have, and certainly Nate McMillan d- deserves a ton of credit for getting this team to play some defense, which is something they didn't do. I didn't think that they had it in them, but they've been better defensively with Nate McMillan taking over. And I'll tell you, the one thing that has consistently given the Knicks trouble all year long has been a good defensive team. I did not think that that would be the case with the Atlanta Hawks, but we are seeing a solid defensive team. Still, the Knicks are getting open looks and they're not taking advantage of it. I still think that they could play their best game and get back into the series, but you're right. Atlanta does deserve uh, a ton of credit. Sal, remember the a, they a week or two, we were like begging for Atlanta. We were like, we want the Hawks so bad. And now two weeks later, we're like, we want do, the what, heat. what yeah. do we sign up for? Now the Heat are already home and eliminated yeah. and we kind of wish we played them. Yeah, it's, it's still to me less about the opponent and more about the Knicks. I don't have a problem had the Knicks been getting beat in this series. I want to see them getting beat by playing the way that we saw them play all year long. And you can talk about the defensive answers or the offense. I mean, this is the same group of guys here. So I don't understand what the problem is. Julius Randle's not looked anything like the 
MVP candidate that we saw in the regular season. R.J. Barrett has been bad for four straight games. Usually have a bad game, maybe bounce back. R.J. Barrett hasn't done anything for four straight games here. That, that just cannot out. Or Reggie Bullock, I mean, I don't know what he's doing out there. So that's the problem that you have is that you have not seen the Knicks do what we saw them do so often in this great regular season, and they have been an extreme disappointment in the playoffs, getting their rear ends kicked and really should have been swept. They were fortunate to win game two. They'll be back at it game five, MSG Wednesday night, and look to see if they can get up off the mat here. And look, all it takes is one. You have to focus one win at a time. I I think the home crowd is going to be huge, or just not having to deal with the crowd in Atlanta is going to be huge for them. Can they get a win and then maybe figure out a way to go steal one in game six and bring it back to game seven? But right now, based on what we've seen, it does not look like that's going to be a possibility for New York. The hope is Monday that we're talking about the Knicks winning a game seven on Big Apple Buckets, and I am so hungover that I could barely be on this show. I'm still in the street naked celebrating uh, in the Canyon <laughs> of Heroes Monday, eating a salami sandwich, a JYD special, stuffing my face with New York Pizza Suprema into the late hours of Monday morning and then coming back to host a couple of podcasts. That's You're going hope. to game five, too, or no? I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm not going to sell them. I'm, I'm going to ride with this team to the finish. They need these fans. So if you're listening to Big Apple Buckets and you don't have tickets for Wednesday, get them because they'll probably be cheaper now. And if you do have tickets, don't sell them. Because we need the energy. We need to bring this back to Atlanta. We need OB top and dunks. We need Reggie Bullock threes. Come alive, Knicks. You beat the Hawks three times. And listen, there have been one, two, three, four, five teams in the last six years that have come back from 3-1 deficits in the playoffs. 2015, Rockets over Clippers, Warriors over Thunder in 16, the famous NBA Finals, Cavs over Warriors, and then last year the Nuggets did it twice against the Jazz and Clippers. So it is not impossible guys let's go Knicks send this thing back to Atlanta yeah it's definitely not impossible if I was Tom Thibodeau I'd be in the film room cutting up the footage of those wins that they beat Atlanta you know show the guys what they did right show them how their energy and positivity in those other games what Julius was able to do what Derrick Rose was able to do all the team members get them in that film room show them the right things offensively what you were able to you know put up with and let them not do defensively so they can just get that feeling back. And like you said, going home to the garden, get a dub. It's all about taking one game at a time. Don't feel overwhelmed by this deficit. Say to yourself, look, it's a long road. We got to knock down some W's in order to get this series back to where we want it to be. Because 3-2 puts a lot more pressure on Atlanta. And that's what you got to do. You got to go into it and say, just let's steal this next game and be ready to go down back to Atlanta for for game, what, six. And for the love of God, can we get a new officiating crew? I mean, we didn't even mention it. The Hawks get every freaking call. Holy Scott Foster meatballs. I cannot take it anymore. They get everything. They were fouled on every possession. And not saying the Knicks don't get calls, but God. It, it's trickle down from Trey Young to the entire roster. You touch him, it's going to be a foul, and it is beyond frustrating to watch. I know you agree with that, Sal. Well, I'm not. I've never been one to complain about officials. I'm not saying that they've the best. The the NBA is the worst with that. The home cooking with the referees. You know, to me, the Knicks are their own worst enemy. They deserve the bed that they're laying in now because they've been awful themselves. But yeah, to see the calls, it is. I don't know if it's just the NBA. If it's just me because I've been in love with this Knicks team because I thought they would win this series. I'm so disappointed. They're there are a few things in sports more frustrating than watching your team get their rear ends 
kicked on the road. And you see Bogdanovich celebrating and Gallinari celebrating and Trey Young celebrating. The crowd going nuts. It feels like you just can't stop it. And then on top of that, yeah, the referees, of course, is going to be the benefit of the home whistle. That's been a thing in the NBA forever. So I'm not going to use that as a cop-out excuse, Producer Jake. The Knicks need to hit some shots. That has nothing to do with the refs, although you would like to get the benefit of the whistle, especially when you return home for Game 5 on Wednesday. We'll see if they could do that. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to talk to Ashley Nicole Moss, big-time Knicks fan, media member, of course, all over the place, contributor for SNY, Sports Illustrated, Knicks fan TV host. She does it all, so we'll get her passionate thoughts on her Knicks, who are falling apart here on the other side after the break. Joining us now is huge Knicks fan and media member all over the place. You could find her on SNY in New York, Sports Illustrated, Knicks fan TV host, iHeartRadio. She is, of course, Ashley Nicole Moss. Ashley, let's just get into it here. I mean, how devastated are you? I'm angry. It was frustrating to watch, especially those two in Atlanta. But we, we haven't seen the Knicks team that we saw all year in the regular season. That is what is infuriating me. Give me your thoughts so far on these first four games in the postseason. Yeah, I agree with you completely. For me, it's just the complete turnaround from the team that we saw that got us here, right? The fourth seed in the East that, yeah, had a lot of voids that they had to fill offensively and things like that, but they made up for it in the fundamentals. They made up for it in defense. I haven't seen any of that. Even in the game that we won, I didn't really see it. I like to say that that game, you know... It was part grit, but it was also part luck. You know, the Hawks kind of fell apart down the stretch, which gave us the opportunity to be in it. And luckily, we took advantage of that opportunity. But the last two games and the three games in total, I mean, it is just a complete disarray. It is just a complete cluster of a team. It looks like you're a JV team out there. There's no fundamentals. There's hardly any ball movement. There's turnovers. There's no defense whether in the paint or long range, you're not even defending them when they get into the paint, which are supposed to be the easier points to prevent when you're a defensive team. I mean, you can't stop somebody shooting 30 feet out. I mean, that's just hard to defend, but they're not doing anything. I mean, the adjustments are all over the place. Julius Randle don't know where he is. RJ Barrett had a decent game last game, but he's been MIA. It's Derrick Rose playing one on five out there, literally playing one on five. I agree. And when I look at this team, I also say to myself, it almost feels like because I've, you know, being in the playoffs and knowing what your teammates do, whether it's, you know, some have already like sort of canceled out, meaning they're like, you know what, I don't think we can do this. It kind of gives me that kind of feel. And then I also, if I was a player, you know, I know when certain players are also looking forward to the offseason, they're like done. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but I got to give the fans the facts. This is this is why they watch and listen to our podcast, Big Apple Buckets. They're not going to get some, you know, random just talk around it. This looks like a team that some guys are, you know, maybe hitting the club because at the end of the day, you either got to be dialed in. I mean, I'd be nailing somebody right now. Like it would be a physical fight at this point because that's what the playoffs are all about. You'd be you're like, OK, OK, they can score. They got more offensive power. But guess what? You come into the paint, you're on your back. Let's just get that part of New York. Let's 
<laughs> you're smacked on your back and you're figuring out like Trey Young, do you want to keep coming in here or you just want to settle for the jumper? The problem I have, JYD, do. see, I thought and I foolishly compared this team all year long to the teams of the 90s that I grew up loving. And I'm not seeing that in the playoffs because that team would fight. You're right. There's a part of this team that is not fighting here. They just looked lost. But I don't think it's because they don't care enough. I think they're just not good enough. And then they start getting in their heads. They're playing right now, as Ashley said, they have no confidence. I mean, none of it. No, the two or two a man outside of D Rose. Obi Toppin has looked good too. They have no confidence. And that is a and it starts with Julius Randle. The guy who was their MVP. He looks lost while everybody else is also looking lost and following their leader. Yeah, there's a few issues. I mean, I agree. I don't think it's that they don't care. I, I genuinely do think that they do care. Again, it's the concept of being lost. It's just it's getting away from the fundamentals of basketball. And, you know, the defensive issue of, you know, trying to recreate the defense of the 90s every time you come to the paint, I'm going to bulldoze you. You know, that works, but not in this league. I mean, you can't even sneeze on Trey Young without getting a foul. I mean, so you're you're kind of, as a player, once you're in that motion, after a while it kind of scares you away from playing defense because you're like, I don't need to give them any more points. I don't want to see them keep going to the line every time I try to play any defense I get fouls I'm not scoring so all it's doing is creating a, a bigger point deficit it's the officiating to a degree has kind of taken the Knicks out of the game because every time they do try to play their game they get penalized for it but also yeah Julius Randle is not doing what he can do look not every game you're going to be the top scorer that's fine. Listen, but there's other things you can do on the court. And I see him in bad habits. And I've noticed this in the regular season, but those bad habits have not translated to the postseason. It's easy to go ahead and, you know, hold on to the ball and chug up every shot when you have 71 other games, at least this season, to go ahead and try to, you know, do better. But in a series, every single game counts. So those bad habits are much more under the microscope. So Julius Randle has a bad habit of one, he argues every single call this is new york you're not gonna get the calls just be okay with that it's just not gonna happen two he seems to have at least in game one and game three i want to say he has this hero mentality where it's like i have to be the one to take the shot i have to have the ball in my hand listen sometimes the best thing you can do as a teammate is pass the rock like you don't have it that's fine be a floor general assist me make sure you know you're you're playing defense to what you can play without going ahead and penalizing our possession. Do something else. You don't have to be the one chucking up shots. And it's frustrating because he is getting good looks. The shots just aren't falling. Don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's just, again, pieces of his game do not translate into the postseason. But it's just, it's really frustrating to see Derrick Rose, who says he's on his last legs. I mean, that's what he told Dwayne Casey in Detroit, which is why he wanted to trade in the first place, right? To see him out there playing one on five. That man's playing 39 minutes. Like, he doesn't have it in him. You guys are just, you guys are, you, you're just milking him for all he's got. Like, he doesn't have it. It's just not going to work. Ash, do you have any belief or, you know, some positivity? Can that we talked about, I think, six teams the last six years have, have uh, come back from down 3-1. Can they do it? Can they pull off a miracle? Well, No. <laughs> I will say, though, that if this were a different series where, you know, the refs were letting the Knicks play defense, then I would say absolutely there's a chance. But it, you, like I said, you can't even sneeze on the Hawks without getting a call. So these two teams are evenly matched in the sense that one's really strong defensively and one is really strong offensively. But when officiating takes one of those characteristics away from one of the teams, now you're relying on the Knicks to actually go out there and score and do the things that the Hawks are doing. You can't outscore Atlanta. You don't have the manpower. But I will say 
say, though, that I do think the Knicks will win game five. I don't think they're going to go outside of the Garden. I think the series will end in Atlanta. It's not going to end in New York. That's for sure. No, I, I do think if there's ever – now, I'm not the, the preacher of positivity here. And based on everything that we've seen in the first four games, I mean, why would I think anything other than the Knicks are going to lose this series, whether it's five or six? You know, th- there's nothing that we've seen in the postseason that makes you think that they're going to come back. However, this is a team that's been resilient all year long. And the most frustrating thing to me is that they have not played their game. This is not Hawks at their best versus Knicks at their best, and the Hawks are just a better team. You tip your cap and you move on. The Knicks have played like garbage in all four these games if Randall was playing like himself and the Knicks were playing some defense and they were getting beat hey you know what we're just not good enough we're not there yet great season move on that's not what's happening here the Knicks have looked scared they've played tentatively Randall's been awful Barrett has been awful Bullock has been awful Burke has been awful outside of game one this is something and we thought maybe it would change after moving the scene from the first two games at the Garden changing scenery to go to Atlanta maybe the pressure off maybe some of those jitters can relax and we didn't say we they got even worse so that's why I still think that there might be hope because a they have two of the three games still at home B, we still haven't seen them play their game. If they can play their game here, maybe they do have a chance. You mentioned it, Ash. You think they could win game five? All right. Well, then maybe they all they have to do is really still one because hard to imagine a game seven back at the garden that you would think that there would be a letdown. But I just want to see them play their game. That's all that I'm asking. Win or lose, play their best game. And we haven't seen that through four games. Sal, what I'm hearing, Ashley, what I'm hearing is you're begging for Julius Randle to come up with the nitro juice. Yes, right. He needs some nitro juice in his life to get out there and do the bully ball that he's used to playing in in a regular season. And I must reiterate, as a veteran of this podcast who played the game, and when all else fails, hit somebody. They shoot 92% (laughs) from the free throw line. Come on, man. You're shoot. You're not even thinking about your next foul. That that tells me too much right there. When I look at that stat line, only missing two free throws. It's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're, 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 they're just they're shooting free. You can't shoot free in the playoffs. You have to have a thought. There should be one finger on your hand that has a twitch in it because you don't know what the next foul is going to look like. And that's not happening. So that is something that I would pour into these young Knicks and to Ashley's point, you know, Derek is on his last legs. You can't be expecting him to carry you into playoff supremacy. You know, some other guys going to have to step up. The one thing that also frustrates me is that, you know, the whole point in trying to achieve home court advantage is because not because it's supposed to be, quote unquote, easy to win at home, but it's supposed to be easier to win at home. Right. And I think for me, I was definitely concerned right off the bat when, you know, the jitters of the crowd got to Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett the way it did, because it's one thing to go into a situation and be nervous, you know, for first quarter at least, right? I think, you know, it happens with me when, you know, I go live on TV for the first time on a new network. Like, you, you have some jitters, and then, you know, you settle in, and you're like, okay, I got this. So for me, it was definitely concerning that you were that nervous to the degree that it affected you the way that it did at home. Like, those people are there for you. You're playing in front of friends and family and people who want you to win and that doesn't ignite a type of performance from you that secure that results in a win I guess that for me was that off the bat kind of was like this is definitely not normal like something's not right here it doesn't feel right because there's no reason that at home you should not take advantage of that crowd of that court that you're so familiar with that you practice on that you've that you know how your shots fall on like you know what you know what the lighting looks like you know how the basket looks like you know everything about it there's no reason that 
that nerve should have affected you that drastically. And I know people want to say it's the garden, it's New York. Absolutely. There's no place in the world like MSG. I tell people all the time, if you have a chance to go see a game at the garden, whether you're a Knicks fan or not, you need to go. There's nothing like it in the world. But to be affected by your own home crowd like that, like you didn't stand a chance in Atlanta. Like you didn't, I don't care how many Knicks fans travel. You did not stand a chance in Atlanta if you could not perform in front of your own home crowd. And that's what's nerve wracking. They should be thriving in that atmosphere. This is the complete opposite. This is New York. You can't act like that at the garden. That's why I'm saying I'm a fool for comparing them to the nineties Knicks. That is disrespectful. (laughs) They came out, they are (laughs) soft. They they played, they're soft. They played scared in the playoffs. This is in New York city. That's where you were made in the postseason. Season. And the Knicks have regressed significantly, almost to a man outside of D Rose and Obi Toppin, who has gotten better. And that's what you want to see outside of those two guys to a man. They've regressed. They've looked like a shell. They're afraid to play on the world's biggest stage. That cannot happen. So I'm with Ashley. Now, I was hoping it was just the first game jitters. And then I was hoping, all right, maybe it's just the garden jitters for now. They got these two games out of the way. They want a game here. Go, go play your game. And they, we still haven't seen it. And the fact that they didn't do it at home. I mean, get, look, they better do it in game five. That's all I have to say, because you can talk about this season all you want and the success that it is and not being a waste because they made the postseason. If they go out in five, the way that they've played so far through the first four games, that is a problem. I mean, how do you know that again next year? Let's just say the Knicks, all right, they bring in a player or two, they improve. How do you know that Julius Randle's not going to have the same issue in the postseason next year? I mean, maybe he's not a playoff player. The whole Mamba mentality, he's the complete opposite of that. Sal's Sal's poor newborn baby is a month old and cannot get any sleep because he's like a screaming lunatic. Does this this affect, though? Do you guys think this affects your your thoughts on Randall and a contract extension, the way he's played in the playoffs? No? I think that's, that's a lazy take. I've seen a lot of Knicks fans, you know, say it. I think it's a lazy take. You don't gauge an entire season on the postseason. What you would not be in this position if it were not for Julius Randle. Let's make that very clear. And obviously Derrick Rose, when he joined the team, that he was a big part of it as well. But Julius Randle held down this fort until D. Rose kind of came in and offered him some assistance. So you don't gauge an entire season on a bad postseason. But I think this does go ahead and just kind of solidifies that he's not the franchise. He's not, you know, the face. He's kind of the Robin to someone's Batman. You still need Batman. You don't have Batman right now. And Julius Randle is a great player, but he's Robin. He's somebody, he's a sidekick. He's not somebody who's going to lead you to the promised land. And I think if you pair him with the right player, then that's going to be a dynamic duo. I think he's a huge part of this Knicks team. I think you need him. You definitely pay him. He's already shown his worth. You know, there are some things in his game that he needs to work on. Because like I said, they don't translate into the postseason. And what you can get away with in the regular season does not fly in a playoff series. But absolutely, anybody who says otherwise is definitely a fair weather fan. You don't just dump a guy because he had a bad postseason. When, listen, it's a lot on Randall, but let's not make it seem like that's the only reason we're losing. There's a lot of blame to go around. So if it were just Randall, we'd be having a different conversation, but it's not. So pay that man his money and get him a Batman. Yeah, he's still getting rebounds. He's still getting some stops. He's still doing a lot of the dirty work. But he was an MVP in the regular season, and he's been a zero in the postseason. That's a problem. I'm not saying about extension and all that stuff. That's a problem. I mean, you cannot be a no-show. We're talking first round of the playoffs. You haven't even gotten going yet. And you're talking the guy hasn't 
showing up. So, and I like Randall as a player. You have to respect what he did this past season. The guy turned himself into a an all-star legitimately into one of the best players, the most improved player in the league, into one of, I thought, a legitimate MVP candidate. And to have him play like that, that to me is alarming. I mean, I hate to keep comparing it to the old days, but Patrick Ewing didn't have any no-shows in the postseason. Those guys, their games got better. And you, you look at the stars around the league today, where are the stars that are going into the playoffs and getting worse? So I think that it's a problem if we're saying already after four games in the playoffs, well, he's not Batman, he's just a Robin. Well, he was Batman in the regular season. Without him, they wouldn't be here. That's, yeah. the, that's the difference right now, the drop-off from where he was to what we've seen. Him. And now it's only four games, but it has been four games. That he's been, but I think, he's been but I think when, to Ashley's point, when he, she's saying Batman, Robin, she's talking about championships, man. Yeah. We're talking about championships. We're not talking yeah. about just getting out of the first round. We're talking about how did we win a championship? Julius Randle needs to be Robin because you need – Batman, you need Kawhi Leonard, you need, you know, and I'm saying it, look, he could possibly be a free agent this summer, you know, the way things are going. Stuff, you need that type of player. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up Kawhi and comparing the two, like parent, comparing Patrick Ewing in that day, it was a different game. So Patrick Ewing could strictly just have the ball in his hand and tell his teammates, look, all you, I need you guys to do is just bulldoze every single person who tries to come near me. They try to get near me, lay them out. Like, you can't do that now. Like, if that were the difference, if Julius Randle could just allow Derrick Rose to have the ball in his hand and tell the other four guys in the court, listen, we're just going to lay these hawks out. Every time they come near you or try to get in the, we're just going to, it'd be, this would be a different series, but you can't do that. But with the Kawhi situation, I mean, look at the Clippers last year in the bubble. Yes, there were other issues going on, but the reason that they were even able to go ahead and see a second round wasn't because they played great, was because that you had, even though Paul George was terrible, you had Batman. That was Kawhi Leonard. So even if one guy's bad, you have a supporting cast around Batman who can still save the day. We don't have that. It's uh, Julius Randle right now is Batman and Robin. So if Batman and Robin are both bad, who's going to save the day? You don't the, the supporting cast, that's not what they do. They're just there to kind of assist, you know, when need be. So I think if you get a Batman situation like a Kawhi Leonard to Julius Randle's Robin, then Julius Randle being subpar or just not being good in a game or two in a series or throughout the season isn't going to be as drastic affecting to the team as it is now because you have that other aspect of your team and that's what the Knicks missing they don't have it agreed and they've been exposed in this series because when Julius Randle is not going well it's clear they're thin you could mention RJ Barrett look Emmanuel quickly somebody that we loved Nick fans love and want to see more of them he has been a non-factor so they're thin that that's the problem and my only point is this is that I just wish that they played to the best of their abilities which we have not seen you know you could go out like that but they and even if you're not doing it every game that's too much to ask all right game three Atlanta plays a perfect game Knicks don't have it that happens we've seen that plenty of times before but for games one through four to where they're fortunate to your point actually before they only won game two because the Hawks missed their shots that's the only reason why they won game two it's not like the Knicks have done anything great here that's my issue with this team and it starts with Randall because he's been the biggest difference from what he was in the regular season in the postseason and the same with RJ Barrett and then so on with the other guys but we'll see if the Knicks have some fight left in them here for game five on Wednesday night. We thank Ashley Nicole Moss. Of course, you could catch her on SNY, Sports Illustrated, Knicks Fan TV. Is there anything else? I mean, what else are you going to add to your <laughs> New York Post contributor? She's a, worker. 
there's, 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 there's more things coming. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm like the Michael, Stra- the female Michael Strahan, but not with his paycheck. So we got to work on that. <laughs> come on, we got to adjust. Soon enough, that will come. I'm sure. Thank you, Ashley Nicole Moss, for joining us. Let's go Knicks here. Hopefully, we can get it back. I would just love to see at this point a game seven, but hopefully, the Knicks at least can survive game five and get it down to Atlanta for game six. That does it for us for episode 48 of Big Apple Buckets, our next podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We will appreciate that. For JYD, Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Akata. Our next episode is going to drop after this first-round series with the Hawks ends. Let's see if the Knicks can pull off the miracle. New York forever. Let's go, Knicks. Knicks.